Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Three is a magic number. Yes, it is. It's a magic number. Somewhere in this ancient mystic trinity, we got three as a magic number. Again, and welcome to episode 110 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And we are cock a hoop. The Whitecaps are back to winning ways, three goals against Philadelphia Union. I just think it's the biggest offensive output this year, too, three goals. Yes. I don't think they've scored more than two. No, two was the highest before that. Sixth clean sheet of the season as well in 11 games. Phenomenal. Back to the top of the standings in the Supporters' Shield. So, I mean, with all that news, I mean, it's hard to kind of find anything to pick fault with. But I'm going to and say I was disappointed it was just 3-0. It should have been a lot more. Yeah, they, 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 this Philadelphia team was very disappointing. Um, they, they Actually, you know what? I'll take that back. They were pretty good in the first 20 minutes. I thought they controlled play. And then there was that big save by Osted. Robo said after the game he was surprised the way that Philadelphia played that he thought they would come and sit a lot deeper, but they played a really high line. And for the first 25 to 30 minutes, I mean, I thought they were the, the much better side. And like I said, that, that save by Elston, and they had that chance, uh, Wenger, I think, off, um, off a volley, uh, right, on the, right at the far post. Elston came with a huge save, and that kind of woke everybody up. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was what, what Robo said was the defining moment after the game. The... That that save added a bit of spark to the team, gave them a boost. I mean, Pedro Morales said that as well, and basically just gave them the kick up the ass that they were needing. And I still don't actually. I mean, it was a great save, fantastic reaction save. I still don't actually know how much Eisted knew about it. Well, he said in the in the post game scrum that he was just trying to get big. And cover as much as possible, and it obviously hit him in the right spot, and and they, Tim Parker was able to clear. But yeah, if that had gone in, who knows how? Because then at that point, Philadelphia would have dropped back and just oh, they would have sat soaked back. up and everything. I mean, we've, we've seen it before that when teams come and sit back here at BC Place, the Whitecaps struggle to break them down. Yeah, and that that was definitely the fear. Overall, though, three goals, all from attackers: Pedro Morales. Beautiful finish for the first goal. Which looked offside initially because yeah, it looked like I, he was so I far was going, ahead. That was miles offside. Yeah. And then watched the replay and it's like, oh, no, no, it's not. No, no, he, he held... He, he was a step, step yeah. behind the, the last Philly defender. Yeah. Um, beautifully timed one. I still don't know how he was onside, even when you watch it again. No, but. because the thing is, is he was moving 
uh, he was moving and the, the, the Philly defense was just standing still. So essentially, once the ball came in, he was just like so far ahead. Oh. He, looked, he looked offside. Yeah, perfectly weighted pass from Teixeira as well. And then the finish, a lovely little bend round Silvestri. It was a chip bend kind of thing. Yeah. So we were very, you were saying it was going to go wide, it's going wide, it's going wide, but it, it got right in the net. And then Octavio, a minute before half time, sixth goal of the season, hadn't scored for a month. Horrible back pass by the Philadelphia player. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that it was played, bad. It was right in, basically, was the ball, when it, it was stopped, it was right in between the defender and the keeper. Sylvester, uh, Brian Sylvester, had no chance of getting to it. and No, I mean, he, he, he taught it to a putty cap. Yeah. <laughs> and then, he, and then uh, now the question we have here, and a lot of people are back and forth, was that a foul that Rivero did on Ethan White? If, if you base it on what was classed as a foul throughout the rest of the game, or, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because there was a makeup call later on. But um, overall, MLS referees tend to call that. I think Rivero should give him a little shove. I, I think he it was, sold it, was it ex- and he went down so easy. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't an extended arm when the shove happened. It was more like a, you know, getting, a, getting position. There was a push-off, yeah. or you could just say he muscled past him, whatever yeah. way you want to look at it. If it had... If it was the reverse and say it was Connor Casey going through oh, on Kendall Boston or Harvey, yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't be. And it, it's like the, the funny thing was for the, the save that Eisted had, Robbo was asked after the game, did he think it was offside? And he did. And he said he was all set to shout abuse at the fourth official yeah. because he thought they were going to score and it should have been offside. Yeah. So there was a few strange decisions today, but a, a great finish from Rivero. I thought. I thought he'd messed it up. I thought he'd bobbled it in the turf and that he was going to miss his chance, but then he he just finished with a plomb. So the second half was basically all white caps at that point. Uh, there was they had a great chance. Two, three minutes in, Kakuta Mane, fantastic footwork, trickery yeah. in the box. Got past one guy, got past the second. I'm, I'm weaving in and out as I'm talking about this. And then Silvestri comes up with another big save. So Vestry was fantastic for the Union today Mm -hmm. for making his MLS debut and for a player that we've both seen play PDL and reserve games for the Whitecaps where he was atrocious. Yeah, it wasn't impressive at all. Good shot stopper though, as you said. So talking about the the big man, obviously he'd been at the Whitecaps for a couple of years, been on the Whitecaps MLS squad for, for two years in 2011 and 2012. And Steve, as always, we sent you into the away dressing room and you had a, a chance to, to talk to the cat. Yeah, and he obviously was saying the right things. He was saying it's a team effort. I personally think that he was satisfied with his his play. I thought he played really well. But he was, you know, obviously saying it's a group effort and we, lo- we lost as a team. So let's hear from the man himself just now. Keeper, you just made a decent save. So why do you feel the need to rant and rave? Screaming at defenders Makes you look dead stupid Especially when they haven't done much wrong Please cease the trait Some of the lapses that happened in front of you um, And then those created the chances that led to the goals How much of a challenge was that to deal with as they were happening? I mean, it was a team effort I mean, we both just uh, miscommunicated on the situation Couple of goals we thought the player was offside. The referee didn't raise up his flag, and it was just frustrating. Just frustrating. You feel like your performance was solid. You stopped those big stops, and just couldn't stop the one-on-ones. It's a team effort. 
I mean, we, we lost as a group. You know, it's not an individual performance. We lost as a group. So we just have to continue to work better on everyone. Um, you know, a couple of years ago you were here, people like PDL and everything like that. Did you see yourself coming back and, you know, making your debut in BC Place? Did it show some kind of thing? Uh, to be honest, I always prayed to come back and play against Vancouver. But uh, it was a blessing to play. Um, get back in MLS is a blessing. I've been through a tough road for the last three years. Three meniscus surgeries out for a year. And um, it's a blessing to come back to my first club. Was the You played against uh, the Union last year with Harrisburg in the Royal Cup. Do you think that really helped you you know, get into uh, in, in their books as a good keeper? It's been training. Hard work and dedication gets you the way you need. You know what I mean? Have faith and have put God first in hard work. You know what I mean? I always have confidence in myself. I just need my opportunity. Now, I was saying to you as well about Sylvester that when he got the call that they wanted him to play at BC Place on Saturday, I wonder if he thought he was coming back for the alumni game. Yeah, well, who knows? <laughs> Generally, I was like, oh, great, Sylvester's in. This is like 4-0. I, I thought the score was going to be. But he came up with some big saves. The one off Morales when uh, Tichera just basically flicked it to Morales and, and, and he came up with a huge save. And he yeah. had to come up with him yeah. because he had no defence in front of him. No. That, oh, it, was, it was terrible, terrible after, defending. Uh, after, the, after the red card, he essentially had no central defenders in front of him because they had subbed one off. And then the red card was to uh, Marquez, who was the other central defender. So essentially... Marisa Du had to f- come back and yeah. play centre back, so by himself. So I, I, th- I think it was a tough red card as well for Marquez. It, if, again, if it had been in reverse, it was a White Cats player. I'd be like, "How is that a red?" I personally I, think I, it's, I think it's going to get rescinded. I, I, don't I can think, only I think, assume though the referee thought that he was out of control. Yeah, and then obviously we're talking about Idu coming back um, from that. You know, that uh, defending there. He essentially got turned inside out by Maddox yeah, for the I mean, third goal. We saw that he actually had scrambled eggs and toast for yeah. his pre-match meal. That's how turned inside out he was. Yeah. I mean, Maddox, he'd missed a really bad chance just before that, where he really should have done better. It was basically a chip over the ball. Uh, over yeah, the, well, I, I, I've said it was a really bad chance. It was a hard one to finish. Yeah. But you at least kind of have to get it closer to the net it than he did. Far wide, it was far yeah. It was a case of like... Not how far do you want the net? It's like how far, how far do you need the net? How wide do you need the net to finish something like that? But then shows it this, it's not playing on his mind. Got a goal that will do his confidence a world of good. Not that he needs his confidence boosted, but just great footwork, great trickery, great finish. Three 0 I'm disappointed that it wasn't four or five. So that's our thoughts. We'll hear a, a little bit now from the coaches. Don't want to play too much because you can find a lot of the Whitecaps stuff on the Whitecaps site, obviously. But we hear a little bit, first of all, from Whitecaps coach Carl Robinson. And then the man that you could say it's curtains for Philadelphia, union coach Jim Curtin. A good performance, you know, but fine, fine lines this game. Because you look at David's save just before we scored our first goal. And if we go 1-0 down at home, then suddenly the dynamic of the game changes. So we enjoy it and we don't get carried away. But, you know, it's good performance. Decent first 30 minutes. Um, we should have went up 1-0 on the one that uh, uh, comes across to Andrew. Um, you know, Alstead makes a good, great, good, great save. Uh, I think we Andrew could have took it a little better as well. I think it deflected off his, his shin. Um, you know, you don't take your chances against a very good team. Uh, you're you're going to get punished. And uh, you know, I thought we kind of gifted them two goals as well. You know, with uh, Ethan has a free header to head the ball forward uncontested. He heads it back creates a bit of a, a mess uh, from there. It's close on offsides, um, but I think he's actually on when you look at it. Um, you know, the, the, the second goal, again, 
Uh, Chaco makes a mistake playing a back pass that's unnecessary. You know, is it a, a foul on Rivero? Maybe, but at the same time, he's again, you can't give quality players and a quality team uh, two goals because uh, they'll, they'll punish him. It's an, it, the third didn't seem entirely to be Brian's fault either. Yeah. How would you judge his debut? He actually had a, a very good game, you know, all things considered. Uh, we hung him out to dry on the first two, uh, the third one as well. Um, you know, point blank shots on all of them. Uh, he made some good saves for us, he did everything uh, we could have asked for. Um, so a good day overall from him. Uh, again, after a good 30 minutes, it was disappointing to have a, a letdown like we did, and you can't give you can't give two goals to a, a good team. Is this a game where you just uh, just got to forget it and move on uh, and not even dwell on it? Too yeah, much? I mean it's it's a difficult uh, difficult result. Obviously, you don't want to give up three goals. Um, I thought you know I thought the red card was a bit harsh. I don't even I'm not I'm not even sure it's a yellow card. To be honest, I just watched the replay. I thought it was a uh, not the best call. I don't know, maybe they'll review it because um, Richie, I thought, actually had another good game uh, for us, Marquez. But uh, yeah, again, like I said, it's it's difficult. You have to, you know, you have to know in this league, no one's going to feel sorry for us. You know, next week's going to be difficult. Uh, we have DC at home, so we'll have to uh, get ready for that one. So that was both coaches there with their thoughts of the game. Now we'll we'll just have a, a quick chat about some of the Whitecaps players. Sure. Mauro Rosales picked up an injury, went off after 11 minutes. It's a tight right quad. And See that three times. Uh, that's why I went really slow with that. And Robbo said after the game that Boston had drew Robbo's attention to it, yeah. but he, he played a couple of minutes on after, so it wasn't too, too bad. But but Mauro basically just said he didn't feel right, yeah. and it's a, another tough, tough blow for Mauro. But the bug came on. Um, he came on for him. I thought I he played really well. Really good. Yeah. He, 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 he Obviously, he's still trying to find his feet. Yeah. And he, he had a great chance in the first he's half. Pretty close to his feet if he yeah. wants to find him. Well, like, Rivero had a chance in the first half where he took a shot into the side netting at the near post where yeah. Teixeira was clear Nobody back post. Him. But I, I just don't think he saw him. He's no. so small that it, it's like he's going, Hello, oh, I'm, I'm here, Octavio. <laughs> or whatever that would be in Spanish. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't see him. He had a minor kind of appearance with uh, as in a sub earlier uh, in the season. But I think this was really his debut because... The fans and everybody got to see more of him. Um, I think he came on in the 12th minute, and I thought he did really well. He wasn't afraid to go in the box. When the box was brought in, he made diagonal yeah. runs. Yeah, and fantastic. And then another debut was Tim Parker playing right behind him. It was funny because if you look at it, Tim Parker's, what, six foot, six foot one. Uh, Tachera's five foot two. You kind of average it out. It's about a f- two five foot seven guys. So, but I thought, what, what's your opinion on Parker and how he played? I thought Parker did really well, and we found out after the game that he, he didn't know he was going to play until an hour and a half before the match. Yeah, it was, it was pretty impressive that he, he got ready so quickly. I, I, I'm glad he, he started ahead of Samson, and it that could be the last we see of Samson in, in MLS duty. I just think Samson is... I mean, Parker was restrained. My only fault with Parker, I felt, was he maybe didn't push forward enough. Yeah. There was a couple of times that the Whitecaps needed that overlap on the right or someone at the back for when the ball came and he hadn't made that run. And I think He'll he, learn that. But, but the thing is, he could also that could have been instructions to him to not True. To, to venture too far forward. And you don't worry that he's going to get himself sent off in the first half either. Because it was Harvey who was really going forward, especially in the first half and a little bit in the second. He was the one that venturing forward. So maybe it was a thing where they were just sending Harvey for it and keeping Parker back. Possibly, and another another good game from Harvey as well. But before we wrap up the chat about Philly and the Whitecaps today, let's hear a little bit from the first goal scorer, Pedro Morales, Whitecaps captain, and 
he spoke a little bit after the game, just about the game, finding the, the back of the net and the wonderful save of David Oustead. Happy relief that yeah. you scored, yeah. It's important for the team, no? For the first game, aside the first goal, maybe the team more confidence after the, the, the first goal, but I think so, played very good today. Create chance, uh, keep the ball, possession. Yes, I think so. Good result at 3 0. Uh, another team, very good team, Philadelphia, good player. But it's, I think so, it's very good performance today. We saw a little bit of what Christian Tachera is going to bring <coughs> this team this season. Yeah. Just tell me a little bit about what you saw from him today. No, Christian, I think so for the adaptation. Very good. Uh, he he like one movement behind behind me uh, and go to space. And I think so. He he have too much uh, help for for the team this year. He's good player, good person. Yes, and it uh, maybe play play more for your confidence now. How big was the save by David Elstad? You know, he, the team was kind of asleep for the first 25 minutes or so, and then kind of woke up and got more chances after that. Maybe, maybe one one David save uh, the chance. Maybe the team go up, no, confident more. Uh, say in the field, come on, guys, let's do it. But um, I think so. For this chance, the 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 game changed a little bit. For for us, much better. But today, important important one one win today three zero. So that was Pedro Morales talking about the big save from David Elston, how it affected the team and everything. And we're gonna go and turn our attentions a little bit to Philadelphia now. So we're joined now by Jonathan Tanwald. You'll maybe have seen him on Twitter. He's known as the goalkeeper, and he covers Philadelphia Union all over the U.S. Uh, have to feel really Occas- sorry. Occasionally in Canada too. Oh yeah, I guess. But you have to kind of really feel sorry for you, Jonathan. After well, you know, it's funny you describe me as being a soccer writer. A lot of people describe me as a cynical grump. <laughs> um, I get that too, though. <laughs> Gosh, that team is so difficult to watch sometimes. And it's the frustrating thing is, it's a city that where soccer has really grown and taken root. Not only at the youth level where it's always been strong, but as a spectator sport in the last few years. The fan base is there. It wants to support the union in a way that you don't see in New York, for example, where they, some of them don't even know the Red Bulls exist or just refuse on principle to go over the Hudson River. They want to go to PPL Park. They know the team exists. They watch the games on TV. But they're smart enough to see how poorly the team is run from a top down and decide that why do they have to spend their money on that, and I don't blame them. We'll, we'll cover a little bit of the game soon, but just just touching on that, how do you turn it around? I mean, does it does it start at the top? Does it need new ownership, or does it does it go even deeper than that? And it's it's almost. I mean, we've seen the mess that Toronto FC have been here for years, and it's it's as if Philly want to now claim that mantle in the East as being. You know, the, you know what though, Toronto FC try, and they spend money yeah, and they, they sign spend. big players. Yeah. The union don't have those kinds of resources. Jay Sugarman, who is the principal owner of the union, is a smart guy. He's an analytical guy, and to his great credit, he knows what he doesn't know. That's not always something you can say about owners in a lot of different sports, no soccer or anything. 
but the guy he's delegating to, Nick Sakevich, the CEO, just doesn't know how to build a team in the modern era of Major League Soccer. And he will tell you again and again and again and again and again, I'm not the GM, I have no role in player personnel. And I say, Nick, you were on the dais when they introduced Raiz and Boley. And there's a reason you were on the dais. Because as you told me, Raiz's agent is a longtime friend of yours. People know that he's the one who really pulls the strings here. And people know that he's been an executive for Major League Soccer for 20 years. Seven or I believe maybe eight now with the union. The Metro Stars before that, which ran into the ground under his watch before Red Bull purchased them, and the Tampa Bay Mutiny, which are defunct. How many trophies do you think he's won in his career as an executive? To both of you, tell me. I'm going to say zero. I was, I'd have said one <laughs> or two, but I'm thinking it could be zero. Zero is the correct answer. Now, at a certain point, is that all of the coaches that have worked for him and all of the players that have played for him, or is that him? But here's the, here's the, the best thing of all about it. With the union, he's a part owner of the team. So you can't just fire him, you have to buy him out. Or you just have to limit his, what, he, what he's able to do and, and put it in writing or something like that. Or you can... Sugarman, the principal owner, we're getting, we're getting uh, interrupted by Mark Weber of the province here. Sugarman, the principal owner, Jay Sugarman, as I said, great guy, smart guy, knows what he doesn't know, said, it, said publicly in a press conference at the end of last season with Nick sitting next to him. With Nick Sakevich, the, the CEO. They were sitting at the days together, and, and Jay said, we're going to hire a full-time sporting director. Hasn't happened yet. Now, Sakevich, and part of this is because of the way that MLS teams were structured in the early years, has never been part of a team that's had a sporting director. A, I'm going to use a example that is fraught with its own flaws, but a Nick DeSantis to a Joey Saputo, for example. I mean, that's a good way for folk to kind of know what you're meaning, because it's like, we've seen how that works. I mean, wh- one of the things I would say, though, as well, am I right in saying Philadelphia still don't actually have, like, a residency and academy program? They do. Such they have a high school that they own and operate. Yeah. Did, did they have that? It opened no, a couple it, years, it opened it a couple used years ago. To be, used to, I know it used to be like a group of teams that they would like pick and choose. Yeah, and, from. and a lot of teams in MLS have that set yeah. up, and it's understandable yeah. as to why, because to build a full-time residency school, that's a lot of time and a lot of money, and the Whitecaps brought that with them into Major League yeah. Soccer, so they had that advantage. And the union don't have the resources to build the, the, the caliber of training ground, for example, that Toronto FC have. I mean, you look, at, you look at the squad today, especially on the bench, and it's an old, old squad. Yeah. And when you're Playing when you're playing a weakened team, and you're playing on the road, and you're out of form, and then you're coming up against Kakuta Mani, Darren Matics, you've got all these young guys. Christian Tachera comes on. It's like surely that the the union needs to start getting younger, maybe taking a couple of years off a hit to to bleed these they young guys through. They, there's, they can and they can't do that. They don't have the 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 depth coming out of their academy or out of their USL affiliate yet to really do it. And they've not made the playoffs since 2011. And they know that that's the first thing they need to fix, which is why they've got a, a more veteran squad. But today, the average starting age was pretty young. Richard Marquez has shown that he can play. Zach Pfeffer, who's a big part of the U.S. under-20 national team, can play. Christian is young. Fernando Aristegueta is 22. Eric Aik is... 18 or 19 or 20, I forget exactly which. It's just the only thing that matters in Philadelphia 
as with a lot of other markets, and I would argue in more markets in Major League Soccer than a lot of people think, the only thing that matters is winning. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The playoffs, in American sport and culture, the playoffs are the be-all and end-all. That's right. And it's like if teams don't make the playoffs, it's deemed a failure of a season. And, and you know what? There's, I don't want to go down this road too far, but you, you, you opened up the rabbit hole in front of me, so I'm going to do it. The, the, the pro-rail tinfoil caucuses, as we like to call them down in the States, says, oh, we should do it exactly the way the English do it in every, every single way. Now, you obviously know better than to do it every single way that yeah. the English do it, and you have for all your life. <laughs> um, but as you said, the culture in North America in every sport is the playoffs. Yeah. And I, you're judged on whether you make the playoffs. And I think that's the perfectly right way to do it. I, I honestly don't think relegation would work in North America. I think you would kill franchises. Like the, yeah. I, They're considered franchises here. Yeah. You would kill them here. And there's, 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 there's no, no way. There's you're no going to lose like probably 90% of your support if you go down one level. You're, right? n- you're never going to relegate the entire cities of London, Manchester, and Liverpool yeah. out of the yeah. Premier League. You know, the, the, There are some sort of kind of examples in Leeds and Sheffield and places like that. But if you lose Philadelphia and Boston... Like last year, towards the end of the year, when Jurgen Klinsmann brought up the fact that he wants to see pro rail in American soccer. And we're going way off the rails here. I'll cut it off after this. ESPN did a graphic on one of their national TV games saying, here are the bottom five overall teams in Major League Soccer. And three of them were. One of them was Chivas, obviously. I think one of them was Montreal. Then you had Chicago, San Jose, and Philadelphia. Three, four, and I think six or seven in the top Population and television markets in the country. Out of the league? Forget it. It's it's all about the markets. And and it's like Don Garber's spoken about that so much. That's why he wanted Orlando. That's why he wants Miami. That's why he brought in Atlanta. That's why he brought in New York City FC. And you know what? It's it's paid off. And the LA second LA team coming up. People people have complained about New York City FC being a a minor league team. That's the other thing. 27,000 fans a game almost all of whom are wearing New York City FC gear. I've been there twice already this year, and I'm going to be at Red Bull Arena on Sunday. Nothing to sneeze at. And it, it does, that stuff does matter. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's part of why some people I know have talked about expanding in Canada. Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go that's going to draw the signal of interest of Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal? I don't see it. Yeah. No, those are the three no. big cities here. Getting back to the union. If we must. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is, is it as simple as getting out of the albatross of a contract uh, with that Algerian keeper? I think Sakevich. I, I think Sakevich. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I think Sakevich has to go. Yeah. Because if they fire Jim Curtin. And you were saying that he's it, taking a you, lot of the flack right, too from the union. Because, because who else is going? To? Yeah, exactly. The chef? I don't yeah. know. The, the, the buck always stops at the manager, and it's not always the manager's fault. No. And that's, but, I mean, I, I've been bad myself. In Scotland, I'll, with my team, we always call for the manager's I'll, head. I'll tell you what. I've criticized Bobby Leonard Doozy plenty over the years for throwing his weight around where he's not supposed to sometimes in terms of how, who gets signed and who gets to pull the strings. It does seem to me at the moment like they've gotten out of the way, and I think that's a big part of the reason why the White Caps are winning. And, you know, I, we talked about Montreal earlier. Last year, in fact, at the game when I was up there in April, the, the Ultras Montreal 
unfurled a banner that said, well, I think it was like three years, three coaches, one DeSantis. Now, obviously, they've, they've got a reputation for being very independent. Yeah. But the sons of Ben don't. And I know there's some divisions right now within them about whether they want to make a statement. I know there are a lot of people in there who, who want to make a statement that says Sikevich out. And I know there are a lot of people who say, well, we're just going to support the team. But, you, you but as soon as you have that split, as, well. as soon as you have that split, you're toast. Yeah. You know? And, and if they say, well, we... we we worry about our relationship with the team, however you want to interpret that. Well, sometimes you got to step up and take a stand. Lo and behold, and I'm not saying this is why DeSantis got reshuffled, but he did, and it seems to have been substantive. Mm-hmm. And they said to Frank Klopas, we're going to let you go and get your players. I know they struggled in the league, but they made the final of the CONCACAF Champions League, and nobody's ever going to take that away from Frank for the rest of his career. Yeah, if, if the manager's got to cook the you know the the team, these guys shop for the groceries or something yeah. like that. Right. I can't. I know yeah. some coach said that no, somewhere right. in some exactly. league. It's 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 frustrating because of what Philadelphia can be as a team, what they can be as a fan base, what they can be as an entity. Um, well, let, let me ask you this: like, yeah. I I come from UK supporter culture where fans have a lot of power. If they protest at games, if they boycott games, if they protest outside games, they can often remove a manager, they can remove a chairman, whatever. It's happened with my club, we've done it so many times. Does that culture exist in North America? Oh, absolutely. Even though the money that these people are putting in, do fans still have It exists in Philadelphia. I've seen many times over the years at the baseball games they yell for the sacking of the general manager. At the Flyers games, and Paul Holmgren was the general manager, you had the whole arena chanting, fire Holmgren. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah, as yeah. organized as, no. as Europe. But you, but had, you, have, you have, you know, yeah. at, the, at the Eagles games, when Andy Reid was at the end of his tenure as the head coach and they were struggling, you had people yelling, fire Andy. Philadelphia sports fans are not afraid to They blew Santa Claus. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute here. I'm not from Philadelphia, but I'm going to stop you on that because the Santa Claus who was out there was a substitute actor for the guy who was supposed to be there, and he did a really poor job. Oh, okay. That's that's a backstory is. All I hear all the time is they boot Santa Claus. And the funny thing is the guy actually like a week ago, the guy who was that Santa Claus, passed away, and it was a big story in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm sorry, I have to... No, no, I, that, you just hear it on sports radio all the time. Of course Philadelphia you do. fans, boots, and I'm, I'm not from Philadelphia, yeah. I'm from Washington, D.C., yeah. but I am always willing yeah. to stand up and tell people that that story it's has a not, lot more to it. A lot more to it, okay. So I guess we should turn our attention to the, the, the game then today. So 3-0 win for the Whitecaps, 3-0 defeat for the Union. Going into this game, and I was looking at, at the standings, if the Union had miraculously won, they were on nine points, which was equal to the the last couple of spots in the playoff race. Is there any hope, do you think, that the, the Union can turn it around? I mean, from what we saw out there today, there's just no defence. I just don't see... So many things keep happening in this team that prevents them from having their first 11 on the field at this point. You know, I'm going to be covering the Women's World Cup for our newspapers... And I would venture that probably as soon as I leave for Winnipeg, where I'm going to be traveling with the U.S. team for a month, <laughs> as soon as they – boom, they'll go yeah. off on a, on, yeah. a, on a winning streak as soon as I leave. You might not be allowed to get back. Um, you know, they've got talent on the roster. They just don't have enough of it to really be competitive. I mean, and look, I thought Brian Sylvester played pretty darn well. He got exactly – as Jim Curtin see. said after the game, 
He got left out to dry yeah. on all three goals. Yeah. Absolutely. Made some good saves. He made a couple of yeah. big ones, yeah. I mean, on, on the Twitter timeline and on the MLS game timeline, when I was reading it, so many folk were saying that they were feeling sorry for Sylvester because... They should. It was pr- there was a hashtag, pray for yeah, Sylvester. Yeah, pray for <laughs> Sylvester. <laughs> I mean, he, he was left out to dry, but I thought he did really well. Uh, he came up with some big saves. But, I mean, for me, a team starts with a strong defence. And that's what Kyle Robinson's done here. Six clean sheets now for, for Eisted and the Whitecaps this season. And the Whitecaps haven't played that well, but we're now top of the, the supporters' shield standings again, despite not playing well and having, I think that was Cut our first, first win, win in five. You know what, you know what though? Second since win in L- five. Since Second win in six games, that's what it is. If you're in the first place in the Supporters' Shield standings, don't ask about how you got there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, Jim Curtin was a stalwart defender in his his years, pl- many years playing in Major League Soccer. He was intelligent, athletic, very well respected by everybody in the game. And he said all along he wants to build a team that is strong at the back. And he's tried to do it, but a bunch of the guys are injured. And if he's hamstrung in his ability to trade for a left back with an MLS because everybody knows he wants one, and needs one, you know, his hands are tied a little bit. Well, we could uh, start the Jordan Harvey back to Philadelphia. Gosh, we take oh, it. No, 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 they no, have no. not had a quality <laughs> left back in that organization since he was dealt. They, uh, they'd take, uh, gosh, they'd, they would. And I know he's not going to go. Well, he probably won't because Robinson wants him here. But Harvey has said he wants to play. And he didn't think that Sam Kubi would get his chance just as quickly as he got his chance this season. So Jordan has been itching to play. And I actually think the Whitecaps have been a slightly better team in the last couple of games with Harvey back in the lineup. Look, there are not very many really good quality left backs in Major League Soccer for any number of reasons. But Jordan Harvey for a long time has been one of the better ones in Colorado and in Philadelphia and here. And, and he's if, a guy that doesn't take up much on your cap, too. No. That's the thing about I, him. He's quality, and, he, and he's not Sam, that high. Sam could play for Canada, couldn't he? Yeah. He oh, could. yeah, yeah. So he might go to the Gold Cup. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that they have to keep Harvey here until after the Gold Cup. But after that, there could be a chance well, he ends up back in Philly. We do have Christian Dean. He can play as a left And they bring somebody else in from Yeah, and they can bring somebody else in. There's I, a couple of guys I, I personally in the would keep Harvey all I'd keep him. I'd, I'd keep him, and I don't think... That he'd go back to Philadelphia. I, I think, I, I think, I think, I think he's still a West Coast guy. I think he's a West Coast guy. His, his wife's from the West Coast. Him, yeah, but he's going to have a kid by the time he's yeah. going to be on the trading list. Yeah. Which he means that he could be traded because yeah. based on Whitecaps' history in the past. Oh, that's true. But whenever someone gets I, pregnant, they tend to get I, traded. I, I, look, I'm biased because I've known the guy for a long guy time. He's one of the one on the list of people, and Brad Knighton actually is another. Every time they're in town, I make sure to go over to the visitors' locker room and say hello because he's a really great guy. Yeah, I want him. Great. I want him to stay here and, and thrive. I'd love. He'd be great in Philadelphia. He'd be welcomed back as a hero. But one of the things that I hope the Union fan base has learned with Sebastian Latou is don't pine for your heroes to come back because it doesn't always work out well as you hope it would. Yeah, I think we got rid of him at just the right time. Uh, so last thing we'll ask you. The Eastern Conference this year. Obviously, a lot of teams spending big. Do Philadelphia have a chance to, to compete with the New Yorks, the Torontos, 
And even teams like Columbus, who haven't spelt, spent big, but they're building a good squad. DC, who's built a big squad. Is there room to make the top six this no, year? No, because they don't, they don't have the, the savvy and the smarts. If you took, I've said this for years, if you took Sporting Kansas City and dropped a lock, stock, and barrel in Philadelphia, they'd be the hottest thing in town by not only soccer, but across the sporting landscape. Because they'd be winning, and they'd be smart, and they'd be developing young guys. If you, you look at what Columbus is doing. Look what D.C. United... D.C. United doesn't have a ton of money. And the Red Bulls have some money, but they're, they're playing the smarts game, and they're playing it really well. And, and it's fascinating to me and to a lot of people on the East Coast. You know, here we go into Red Bull Arena on Sunday night. Everybody thought that New York City FC was going to have the spotlight and the sizzle and all that, and the Red Bulls are well above them in the standings. So who wins the East this year? New England. Boy, are they good. I think that was my tip. I can't remember. Boy, was I, I don't know. I, I don't know how <laughs> the playoffs are a crapshoot. You know, I, I, but I had New England and Columbus too at the beginning of the season. Oh, it was New England. I actually had New England get into the MLS Cup. That was yeah. the, the, the playoffs are a crapshoot, which is part of the fun of it. Yeah. Because you do, and and. But I think the East is much better this year than last yes, year, than yes. previous years for sure. And you can thank Kaká and David Villa for that yeah. in part. Yeah. New England's so good. Oh man. Back to front too. Is I it, I I. Have they played the White Caps yet? No. No, Not this year. we've got that in in this big road trip we have coming up. Oh, June, June, that June, game, June, that yeah. game is going to be if 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 everybody's healthy, that's going to be one of the games of the year. Yeah, I think that's soccer. our fourth road game in a row, though. So, well, I'm, the White Caps may rest some guys for that. Yeah, that's a tough stretch, but man, that New England team is so entertaining, and they're young and dynamic, and they're a lot like the White Caps in that way. Well, thanks for joining us, Jonathan. We look forward to seeing you in a few weeks when you're back at BC Place watching America take on Nigeria in the Women's World Cup. Just before you go, let everyone know where they can find you online. Uh, at the goalkeeper is my Twitter handle. I have a habit, as I said earlier, of being a bit of a cantankerous grump on social media. Who isn't? But I know I'm not alone, as you said, Michael. And, yeah. uh, where can they read all your stuff? I work for Philly.com. My real job is running our website behind the scenes. So our soccer page is philly.com slash soccer, and that's where a lot of my stuff ends up. Um, yeah, I'll be here in, in five weeks from the day we're recording the show is when I come back to Vancouver. On June 13th, I'll be here, I think, through the 17th, and uh, I might bring a few thousand friends of mine along for the ride. Well, we look forward to seeing you back, and good luck to Philly for the rest of the year. If they can keep Toronto out of the top six, that's good enough for us. So thanks to Jonathan Tannenwald for joining us there. Always interesting to, to, to talk to Jonathan and get an insight from someone out east about MLS. Let's get on to the next week coming up, which is going to be a busy week again. They are hosting, the, well, which should have been the second match of the Warriors Cup semifinal, but it is the first now uh, because of the, um, the cancellation of the game at Edmonton. But they are hosting FC Edmonton midweek. 7 o'clock, BC Place. What are your initial thoughts on what we we can expect there? Uh, I'm expecting a a comfortable win for the Whitecaps. One thing which I'm going to ask Carl on Monday when we're back at training is whether he's now going to approach the game a little bit differently now. Because the first leg, it's like you're hoping to get a couple of away goals and then come and just basically kill it off at home. But now they don't want to give up an away goal to give Edmonton that edge. 
and they kind of have to really go for it because they don't know how the second leg's going to play out. So I think we're going to see a very attacking team. It's going to be a completely different team than, than what we saw here today, but we kind of knew that. Paolo Tanagi's probably going to get his first start. Big question, Tim Parker, who was going to play alongside Christian Dean in the centre of defence in the game back there on Wednesday, played 90 minutes today. Can he play another 90 minutes? Will he play another 90 minutes against Edmonton? Yeah, uh, I, I personally think he's ready to go. I, I, he's a young guy. I don't think it's going to be that much One of, of an issue. One of the guys on the team as well. And uh, they're playing at home. It's not like you're traveling anywhere. So he just basically, as, as he said, he's going to recover in the next couple of days. And then, you know, I think he should be ready to go. It's only, you know, a lot of these guys can go like two games. If it was an MLS game, a lot, of, almost all of them would have to go again. Well, he might be looking at playing three games in eight days, so that's the thing. Yeah. And with the third game being against Seattle, you... Maybe Bateshire's back by then. Maybe he's, he's recovered his... Uh, his sore ass. Yeah, sore ass. Glute. Or, in fact, that, that was actually one of my favourite quotes from Kyle Robinson last week, talking about Bateshire's injury. In fact, let, let's just play the audio. I can't do it justice. Let's just, let's just play that now. And what was, what's the update with Stephen Bateshire? He's got a... Um, uh, gluteus maximus, I call it a little strain in his bum cheek, but I don't think that's the right way to say it. Um, so, yeah, well, I did say arse cheek, but I'm not allowed to say arse cheek, so bum cheek, and now it's gluteus maximus, so because I'm too honest. So, yeah, I mean, uh, as, as Robo said there, uh, sore arse for, for Betashire. I don't know if he'll be back. He was after the game today, it was interesting. All the some of the USL guys and the guys that's expecting to play on Wednesday were doing a kind of mini game on the pitch yeah. and Betashire was just doing laps up and down the track so he must be close yeah and because he definitely wouldn't be doing laps on BC Place turf if he wasn't no. close and Diego Rodriguez isn't going to be fit for the midweek game yeah. uh, Carl was asked that after the after the match today but he said he might be available for the second leg that could be a, a time that he looks for a return then so yeah. if Parker does go three games in eight days you could see Rodriguez playing alongside Dean possibly next Wednesday yeah. but how, how do you think it's going to go Steve I, I'm confident Edmonton do have a lot of attacking threats hit six goals against Ottawa and I, yeah it's only Ottawa but still it's impressive and they've got a few guys that are hit, finding the back of the net just now yeah, um, it, it'll be, it's definitely a different team. Um, they, in the past, they've struggled to score. This is definitely a team that they can score. My one concern would be that the, the, the a lot of the back line is going to be USL black line, which which played against like teams like TFC and Seattle. Are they going to be strong enough to deal with it? Because the teams that they were playing against, they weren't as skilled as FC Edmonton. There is a ball some similar level. So are they going to be able to maintain against them? I, I mean, I'm... There's, there's no way the Whitecaps shouldn't win this with the quality that's going to be on display. You're, you're going to have a Welsh international in Earnshaw front. You're going to be playing Mosquita. Uh, there, there's no way the Whitecaps aren't going to do this. The Whitecaps also are going to have the advantage as well and that Edmonton's going to come here and be confused as hell by what that giant yellow orb in the sky is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And running water and electricity. But, uh, but overall, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. that the, this sh- It should be a comfortable win. But then again, we've always, we've said that quite a few times this year at home. And, and it we are happened. cursed in this competition. Yeah. I don't really know if the Whitecaps are ever going to win it. That's why we haven't made any predictions of where we think they'll go in the competition because there's no point. Cause it's just, yeah. we'll see, see well, what happens. Let's not even predict this game. I'm just going to say it's a Whitecaps one. Yeah. But it's a busy week. Seattle then are coming a calling on Saturday. We're going to have a kind of Edmonton post-game Seattle pre-game show, hopefully towards the end of the week. So watch out for that. 
But I think that's it for yeah. this episode. Let, let's not just keep folk off their sunny weekend any longer. Before we go, though, Steve, just let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff, AFTN. Get there, AFTN.ca. Most of the Whitecaps Beat Reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so read all my stuff on that. So, happy days are here again. The Whitecaps are hitting threesomes galore. Let's hope for some more of that. But until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. And more the cap. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, crackly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?